both emotions are really important. They're both really common. Just make sure it fits the context. It's what I call being on emotion. On message is fine. Talking points are fine. What's even better? Feeling points. Being on message and on emotion. Make the emotion fit the message. That's a one-two punch. And I would add, that is a knockout punch. Boom, boom. There we go. And he's down for the count. That is what happens when you don't manage your emotions. You are in for a treat today. This is only a teaser because not only is our guest going to share some incredible insights with us, but it's been guided by yours truly, the foremost host on podcasting. This is something that you don't do at home because you're not as highly trained as I am to lead such a discussion. With that said, my friend, I want you to sit back and get ready for what is to come. Here we go. Welcome to the Kingsley Grant Show, the podcast dedicated to helping you become the leader everyone loves and wants to follow. Kingsley believes his leadership paradigm, emotelligence, the art of succeeding where others failed, is the key to achieving this status. On this show, Kingsley guides you through the uncharted waters of emotional intelligence and leadership essentials with the guarantee that upon exit, you will become more skilled in relationship management, decision-making, and job performance. Now here's your host, your coach, and your Sherpa, Kingsley Grant. Here we go, here we go, here we go. This is your boy, Kingsley Grant, sitting behind the Jamaican microphone, bringing you yet another show. And it is from the show that's been voted number three on the top 15 podcasts on emotional intelligence by Spot, And so I am excited that you are listening to one of the top shows right now. And I'm in the command center of the Emotelligent Leadership Institute, where I'm going to dig into the vault and get today's show so that what you've come for, you will have. So let me reach in right here and get today's show. There it is. I got it. I got it. And put it down right here. And now we can dive into today's show. And on today's show, as you have heard, just a brief tease of what is to come as our guest, leading expert on facial coding, Dr. Dan Hill, will take us on a journey. One that you probably have not been on before as he guides us so skillfully and so artistically and so, what other words can I add? Well, let me just leave the rest for you to decide for yourself what other word you could put here as a descriptive of what he did on this show. And I don't want to take much time because I want you to get all that he had to share. What's that? What? What? Come on. Yes. Yeah, I'm recording a show. I am in the middle of it. What? Okay, what's the question? Kingsley. Okay. Oh, okay. So you want to know if how different is this show from the past shows? 
Well, the difference is my guests. Come on. You know, every one of my guests are very well selected and vetted. And I don't bring anybody on this show. You know that. What kind of question are you asking me? Okay, let me get back to what I was saying here. We have our guest today, and he just teased out what is to come. But before we introduce him to you as you want, let me say thank you for being here. If this is your first time, I want to say a big thank you. And where have you been all this time? Come on now. You should have been here a long time ago, but hey, you're here today. And, and, and that really is what matters, right? You're here. So thank you for being here. And make sure that this is not your first and only visit. You're going to want to come back time and time again. And make sure you have gone back and listened to the shows that are available. Because you, you, we have a an archive of incredible guests, but also you're surely behind a solo microphone bringing you valuable content. So make sure you go back and listen to those. So thank you for being here. If this is your second, third, fourth, fifth, and so on time, hey, thank you from the bottom of my heart because you are the one that keeps us going. You've shared this show. You've commented. You have left a rating and a review on Apple Podcast or wherever else you've listened. So thank you for that. Man, I'm telling you, I truly appreciate what you do. And I can't say enough of that. And one last thing. This show is being brought to you by Kingspire Communication. Kingspire Communication exists to serve leaders who want to become better at decision-making, relationship management, and work performance. Get better results, period. If that's what you want, make sure you head over to kingsleygrant.com, K-I-N-G. S-L-E-Y-G-R-A-N-T, KingsleyGrant.com. Connect with us and see if we could be a good fit to bring to you consulting, coaching, and or training. Now, let us then dive in today's show because that's what you're here for. Would you put your hands together and let us welcome our guest, Dr. Dan Thank you for joining me on the Kingsley Grand Show, where emotional intelligence and leadership skills intersect. This show is a, a designed for leaders who want to turn around toxic work environments, unleash the human potential, and get better results. Today, we have a special guest on the show. His name is Dr. Dan Hill. Let me tell you a little bit about him, and then we'll get into the show and find out more as we go through this interview today. Dr. Hill is a founder and president of Sensory Logic Inc., which pioneered the use of facial coding in business in order to capture and quantify emotional dynamics. The company has done work for over 50% of the world's top 100 B2C companies and has seven U.S. patents related to facial coding scoring techniques. Dan has spoken to audiences in over 25 countries, has published eight books, and has numerous media appearances, including front page 
coverage in the New York Times. And today he is on the King of the Grand Show. So Dr. Dan, welcome to the show. How are you doing, sir? I am doing well. Nice to meet you. Likewise. So where in the world is Dr. Hill today? I am in St. Paul, Minnesota, practicing social distancing like most <laughs> responsible citizens. I'm glad we are. And this is one thing about doing these interviews. It's always social distancing is always a part of our show. So this is continuously even before the idea became popular. So it's great to have you on the show. And Dr. Hill, the question I open up and ask all my guests is when you hear the word leader and or leadership, what comes to your mind? Uh, immediately connection, but really emotional connection. One of my jobs before I started my company was a director of executive communication for a big utility on the East Coast. And my real goal was to get him out there. He was a really good but understated guy from Maine and a wicked sense of humor, but he was an introvert by nature. And so the whole goal was to make people appreciate his really very good leadership, but get him out there, get him in front of people, make the emotional connection so that people rooted for him and rooted for the company in a more personal way. Why was that so important that you kind of drive that um, part of that uh, conversation with him so he could really um, utilize that part of his leadership and in, in what he's doing? Sure. Well, we were in the utility sector, not always the most exciting sector of the economy, uh, God knows. But this is at a point when state governments were thinking about deregulating the economy. And so that was introducing uncertainty. And frankly, a lot of people joined the utility sector saying, well, I may not get the top salary. I may not get an exciting career, but I'll have stability because how can you improve on 100% market share? which is what utilities typically have. Okay. Suddenly that implicit deal was unraveling. Now you might have deregulation, their jobs might be at risk. So I thought it was at a juncture where it was really important to him to say, we have a vision, I can give you reassurance, we're gonna stay in this game, we're gonna be successful, I've got your back. All of those things were important because uncertainty entered the picture. Mm. You know, I, I find that's very intriguing that you mentioned that because I find sometimes with leaders, that is something that they may not necessarily feel equipped or adequate or competent to do. What, how do you help a leader then to kind of uh, embrace that kind of approach to their leadership? Well, I've actually worked directly for two different CEOs. One was also in the computer sector. Both of them were introverts. Mm -hmm. So this created a real challenge to get them out there. I confess with a guy in the computer field, I really just couldn't get him to do it. <laughs> uh, at one point, we made a major acquisition. It was really going to change the entire dynamics of the company. I said, you've got to talk to them. You can't just send out the email. And all I finally got him to do is he stood on top of a table in the lunchroom and I was just aghast. He spoke for less than five minutes and took no questions. And then he was gone. <laughs> but with the other CEO at the utility, I was more successful. And so what I said is, well, let's start some ways you're going to feel really comfortable. Let's do these breakfast meetings. We'll get 10 to 12 people in a different department. You can be personable. It's a more intimate setting. Establish the rapport and let the word leak out that you're a decent guy and you, you're on top of your game and so forth. And then we got to the annual employee meeting and I said, we just need to do this all differently because the way he had been doing, this is amazing to me. Before I showed up, people could submit questions. They submitted them in advance and he would stand on the stage behind the podium, thumbing through the cue cards, deciding which questions he wanted to answer. Mm. I said, Jim, by no means are we going to do it that way. We're going to have a candid camera video where people can ask you questions as a prompt. And then we're going to let them line up the microphones and they can just have at it. 
Who's ever first next to the mic, their question, that's the one you're answering. And I got him comfortable with the breakfast meetings and he went for it. We got a 20% lift in satisfaction with the annual employee meetings based on that change, 20%. He was over the moon happy about it. And that gave you emotional momentum because emotions are contagious. Mm -hmm. And that got him to say, I'm going to get the other leaders in this organization out there and do their own meetings. And it was just a wonderful you know, series of cascading events. What are some of the benefits, um, Dr. Hill, of uh, that emotional momentum you talk about in a workplace for, number one, you mentioned the idea of employee satisfaction. That is something that is, is, is important. But what are some other things that you find that when a leader is having that uh, emotional connection with his people, his or her people, that really can transform that workplace? Sure. I would say there's two things. First of all, you want emotions to actually turn on. I mean, we both know that one of the big fallacies is that we're supposedly just like computers. We're just thinking machines. We are human beings. We have emotions. And if you go back to Latin, the verb movere, to move, to make something happen, is the root word for both emotion and motivation. I've never met a leader yet who didn't want his workers to be motivated, to be engaged, to be high performers. But it means you got to put some gas in the tank. you got to emotionally turn things on. So the first of all is to make the spark, make the connection, put some gas in the tank, get things rolling. The second thing is happiness gets underrated as an emotion. Mm -hmm. Happiness just isn't a oh, smiley face and thank you very much and now let's get back to work. There are studies, of course, that show that happy people – get to superior solutions and more quickly. They are expansive. They are opening. Of course, the essence of happiness is you hug. But you can also embrace an idea. You can embrace the fact that the leader of a company is saying, we need a change and in this direction because we have this danger, this threat, this reality we have to encounter. So it makes you embrace. It makes you open. It makes you expansive in your thinking. Uh, you know, and everybody, you know, frankly, we do it in marketing. We talk about hope and happiness. Mm -hmm. Why shouldn't we do that within the company? Hope and happiness, by all means, they're not trivial emotions. They go right to the bottom line. You know, something you said very uh, earlier, which I think is such a key part of the conversation, is that when a leader can adjust that way and adapt, he or she is able to have their people will be almost like rise up and want them to succeed and want the company to, company to succeed because they see a real person who is connecting, who is being almost like, you know, open and vulnerable and transparent and say, I'm okay with showing this part of my being. And people tend to, um, in my, um, my um, experience, rise more to that kind of leadership, would you say? Oh, absolutely. We, we want to rally around a person. We're not going to rally around a business plan in and of itself. That's inanimate. Um, you know, what I did with Jim Furlan, I said, look, you're from Maine. We're based in New Jersey. Tell them some stories about your background. Give them someone to relate. They don't know what your hobbies are, your interests. I mean, you, you like to go bowling in his case. I said, well, a lot of people can relate to that. You know, they're going to think you just sit on your yacht or something. You know, you're the CEO. <laughs> Make yourself personable then they can rally behind you and they have a reason to say, yeah, Jim's a good guy and I'm going to go the extra mile. Otherwise, you've just got an abstract entity. 
You know, I think this fits into what I, I talk about a lot and even in my book about the know, like, and trust factor. And I think that when a leader can allow the person to know them, pretty much, you know, connect with that part of their being to know who they are as a person, like you rightly said, and not just as a business entity, I think people are more, they connect with that. Number one is more personal and they get to like you and they trust you because you are more trusted. So here's the thing I, you know, because of the idea of you, the work that you've done, I find sometimes people can have a disconnect, right? So their, their expression, they maybe say, you know, um, say some things, but there is a disconnect between what is genuinely so and what is what they're, they're, they're saying. How can leaders connect both like that genuine part of their expression that truly project what it is that they really feel in their heart? Sure. Well, first of all, I, I love your progression. Know, like, trust. I think one of the things that people do is they say, well, I'd really like them to trust me. And they just want to go there. They want to jump over the first two steps. Yeah. You, you cannot do it. It does not work that way. Uh, but then let's talk about trust itself and these these signals that we send off. Uh, a wonderful comment, I think, is that we dance to the music, not to the words. I love that. When we go out to a music hall. So the nonverbals are really, really important. I mean, right now we are in an age of uncertainty once again, thanks to the coronavirus. This means that fear is going to be a big player. This means that we're in an ambiguous situation. There was a study done at UCLA that said in an ambiguous situation, 55% of the true communication comes from the face, 38% from the voice, and merely 7% from the words. 7% is not going to get it done. Mm-hmm. So you got to go to the face. That's where the mother load of information is. So let's just take, there's seven different emotions that facial coding covers, but let's just take one because it's a nice way into this. Contempt. Contempt mm-hmm. is when you have that little smirk in the corner of the mouth. Mm-hmm. The corner of the mouth lifts up and out. Uh, Snidely Whiplash, the old cartoon character, mm-hmm. is the embodiment of contempt. Now there is an upside to contempt. It can show that you're confident. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Because in a moment of uncertainty, we do want a leader that we think is going to be a winner. And we can affiliate with the winner and then maybe we'll survive and thrive as well. But if you don't have a smile with it and a smile that seems genuine and warm, that same contempt can be a two-edged sword. Mm. It can suddenly seem like, well, I'm asking you to trust me, but I don't trust and respect you. Because that's what contempt can show, that I'm above you and you are beneath me, therefore, and I don't hold you in the same respect that I'm asking you to show me. So that can be really dangerous in a moment like this. So if you had a Q&A, a town hall within your company, and someone raised a question like, I'm uncomfortable right now. What can you say to make me feel like we're all going to be okay and get through this? Well, a smirk, unless it's accompanied by a smile, uh, could be a really dangerous signal to say, uh, I'm okay, but you're not okay because I'm not really going to have your back. That's not the kind of signal you'd want to give. And people may not be a facial coder, but they sure know just innately that that's not a good sign. And I think they're going to pick it up and they're going to they're going to hold on to it. You know, I, I I love I love the fact that you are kind of um zeroing in on I think is some important aspects of what I truly exper- see people experience in the workplace and. As you mentioned about the contempt and the way the double-edged sword that can be, because that can also create the toxicity that people have in experience in the workplace. Wouldn't that be true? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, toxic is one of the most important things to unfortunately take into account uh, because what happens over time is you get hired by somebody, then you have your annual salary review. <laughs> maybe you don't get the money you wanted to get. Maybe they told you a place where you can improve and you think, I can't really, or you're clipping my wings and not giving me a chance to grow. But there are all these tensions that build up over time in the workplace. And then if some big event comes, it just drowns people. I mean, there are so many reorgs going on, so many requests for changes, and that is really debilitating for people. Human beings do not handle stress well. They can mm -hmm. do it on an interim basis and rise to the occasion. But one of the things I think that happens with these changes is that the leadership doesn't get out there at all sometimes, like that guy who spent five minutes on top of the table in the dining room or the employee lunchroom. But also you do it too late. In the meantime, people have been eaten up by all of these worries, and it makes them toxic in time. They become a toxic waste dump mm -hmm. just because everyone feeds off everybody else. That's why the intervention needs to come sooner than later, mm -hmm. by all means. Because like I, I did one study, and I actually interviewed people and facially coded them, looking at their emotions after the company had gone through a reorg or a merger and acquisition. And it was pretty shocking. Only about 15, 20% of the emoting was positive, was wow. happiness. It was about 15% fear. It was about 30% anger. And it was actually almost 20% disgust, which is, you know, this whole situation tastes bad, smells <laughs> bad. I'm backing off from it. Mm -hmm. Well, you want them to lean in and be productive. And you're actually making them lean back and saying, oh, my God, this is terrible. This stinks. This is a toxic situation. It smells. And I want out of here. Those, those two things don't get together. That's why you have to intervene. Mm. And I think you, you said so so very um, pointly is that intervene and very quickly, too, and not allow it to build up because the longer it stays, the, the, the more it decays, sort of decay occurs. And then, of course, it just um, impacts the whole environment. And sometimes it gets to a point where it's kind of hard to kind of pull that back because they, they, they allow it, I believe, to build up to take um, to to kind of build a life of itself, and then it's hard to manage that. So I think it's so important of what you're saying. So I um, let me kind of um, kind of divert here briefly, if I can. Sure. You mentioned about facial coding because I think it's a very important part because I speak so highly, um, I mean, so regularly about the importance of the body language, especially as a leader. If you're going to help people to gain the trust you and you go back to the idea of know, like, and trust factor, it's important that you seem, not only seem, but you come across very genuine. Is there any tips you can help a leader to who's listening right now to say, okay, here are some things you may want to consider. If you want to decrease or get rid of or wipe out toxicity and you want to change by you leading in this area, what are some things they might want to consider to do facially, but also maybe even the content of what they say that could help to change the, that um, dynamic that they're experiencing? Sure. No, that's a fabulous question. Let me go to, there, there are seven questions or seven emotions rather in facial coding, but it's, it's unbalanced. There are two emotions that absolutely dominate. You know, in business, we often say it's the 80, 20 rule that 20% yeah. of our customers will bring us 80% of the revenue. Well, with emotions is a 70, 30 rule. 70% of our emoting tends to be around happiness and anger. Mm. 
So let me take on your question in both of those regards. First, with happiness. So yes, I gave you all the reasons why happiness is important, but the happiness has to be genuine. Mm -hmm. So one of the risks and one of the things that a leader should look out for in their expressions is that a natural expression is kind of like a wave breaking on the shore. It gathers, it has a peak, and it lets go. That's the natural rhythm. A fake rhythm to a smile, (laughs) it comes on too quickly like a light bulb. It stays on too long like the Energizer Bunny, just keeps running and running and running, and or it drops off too quickly like a guillotine that just like drops and you're like you're putting your smile back in your pocket because you flashed it for a moment and you're out of here. A really good smile, a felt smile will first of all also cause a twinkle in the eyes because the muscle around the eye relaxes and you get the twinkle in the eye. So that's a great thing if you can get there, but if you can't get there, don't try to use the smile as camouflage. Mm-hmm. Don't try to use it to hide or mask how you're feeling because then you're not genuine and this whole trust issue comes in. So allow for these little boomlets. A really genuine smile, like any expression, will be on and off the face in three to four seconds. Mm-hmm. And it should marry your content. Don't have a fake smile going on while you're delivering a really <laughs> negative message. Reserve the smile for when it's actually appropriate. It should be when you are saying, here's how we're going to move through this. This is a cause for hope. This is a way in which we're going to band together because happiness has so much to do with purpose in life. It has so much to do with togetherness, unity. So it should really fit nicely for those kinds of moments or also that you're safe. Let's switch to the other emotion, anger. This is a really prevalent emotion. It actually shows in nine different ways on the face. Mm. The Probably the best way to think about anger is it is like a snake coiling to strike. Mm. If the essence of happiness is to hug, the essence of anger is to hit, to hit out. Mm. So it involves the lips pressing together, the eyes are narrowing, the eyebrows come down. But that's to potentially give a bum rap because anger can have its positive sides as well. Anger can indicate that I don't accept barriers to progress, that I want to control my destiny, that I want to make progress and bring other people with me. These are really important things for a leader. So I think you can show anger. In fact, I think you should show anger, but it should fit your message. Like here is a barrier we have to fight through you know, for whatever the reason, and we're going to do it. And then you can show anger because it reinforces what you're saying. It's not a disconnect. It's not being negative or ugly. It's saying we're going to power through this. Mm. So both emotions are really important. They're both really common. Just make sure it fits the context. It's what I call being on emotion. Mm. On message is fine. Talking points are fine. What's even better feeling points, being on message and on emotion, make the emotion fit the message. That's a one, two punch. I love, love, love that because I think, you know, especially as you describe, you know, how you're know, on message, be on emotions. And sometimes I find this is the part that some leaders do less work on and probably either ignore or just don't even know or realize this is a very important part of their leadership because they've been told, you know, the metrics, get the, the bottom line, get this done. And they're just driving through like a bull, not realizing that that may not get them. They may get them a short temporary win, but they would not actually achieve the long-term 
part of having people, you know, retention on those um, areas that people can push back or be passive aggressive because they're saying, okay, you can get me to get this product done, but you're not going to get more than that from me. Absolutely. My my father-in-law was actually the president of a major co- company, American Hospital Systems, bought up by Baxter in the mid-80s. He was a good executive. I really believe that because he came up through the ranks as a salesperson. Mm-hmm. As a salesperson, you have to connect with people. You have to close deal yeah. by deal by deal. And I think it made him really open to the idea of a servant leader. And that's great because too often – I believe the leaders come in and they might have a specialty background, like they're an engineer, they're a lawyer, they're an operations person, they're a finance person. Nothing against those backgrounds, but it might mean, just possibly, it might mean that you have a deficit when it comes to EQ, it comes to emotional intelligence. And and that's why I wrote my book, Famous Faces Decoded. I wanted to use celebrity examples, including CEOs, because I wanted them to give something they could relate to, but I wanted to point out that this is a skill set that every everybody needs in life. And I was using some of the most successful people in the world so that executives could relate to them. Uh, They just happen to be from sports and Hollywood rock stars in addition to being people in the business world. That's all. If I can ask you, is there one that pops into your mind that you say, well, this person, and even in my book that I talk about, you know, famous faces decoded that kind of stand out to this conversation we're having here? Well, I have to admit, I'm thinking about Jeff Bezos a lot. Okay. For, for a couple of reasons. One is that his signature expression, there's a wonderful saying from George Orwell who said, by the age of 50, a man has the face he deserves, which is, <laughs> which is true. We have muscle memory. We have patterns. All human beings have patterns. So we have signature expressions. Yeah. And Bezos's signature expression is his eyes go wide. Mm. This is a man who loves to seize on opportunities. So he pays attention to things. He pays attention to the details. And that's great. But I have to say that I'm also thinking about Bezos right now because he suggested that people actually make contributions to his workers in Seattle in this difficult times. I have to say that for all of his accomplishments, this is a blind moment. Mm-hmm. You know, a public that's suffering mm-hmm. and under its own angst is not going to take well to the idea that you are so wealthy and yet you can't step in for your own workers yourself and they're asking others. So to be open to opportunities business-wise is great. Mm-hmm. It's also good mm-hmm. to be open to people as people. You sell to people and you need people to make things happen. You got to round out the picture. You know, and that's really, I think, I appreciate it. Thank you for letting, for letting us in on a little bit because I think sometimes we look at these people and we miss those, those little nuances that really stands out and at times like this become the big thing that overshadow almost everything else that person may do. And you have covered a number of things um, that really talk about, you know, the emotions and so on. And I'm wondering if there's anything that, as you would add, how to project assurance, because this is one of your specialty, how to project assurance while um, establishing empathy. Sure. Well, I, I also wrote a book on all the U.S. presidents called Two Cheers for Democracy, How, how Emotions Drive Leadership Style. And in the middle section of the book, I analyzed every single presidential debate ever held and correlated the findings to the Gallup polls post-debate. So my answer to your question is what I call the golden blend. Mm-hmm. So I already told you that anger and happiness are you know, the lion's share of how we emote. But what's really effective, actually, is to put the two together. Mm-hmm. So you have a little bit of anger, 
but it's more subtle. The lips might press together just a bit, and it's suggesting I've got purpose, I've got drive, I've got determination. But then you put a cherry on the Sunday <laughs> because you add in the smile so people can know that you're also open and expansive. And so that's one way to go. Now, when you talk about empathy, you really have to go to the flip side of happiness, sadness. Now, I've done a lot of work in pro sports as well, and I can tell you that you generally do not want to hire or, or draft a guy for, to run up and down the court in the NBA who is susceptible to a lot of sadness mm. because sadness tends to slow you down physically and mentally as if nature is saying to you, you just had a problem, a setback, you made a mistake, don't rush into the next situation. But there are times when sadness and empathy is exactly the thing that I would suggest is on emotion for a leader. Mm -hmm. And this is going to extend to, let's first talk about how sadness shows on the face. Probably the most reliable way that everyone's used to is the rodeo clown. The corners of the mouth go down. Mm -hmm. In a rodeo clown, they're painted in place <laughs> to show that. But in real life, it happens there. But it's also true that you can get the eyebrows to push up and inward. Uh, the middle eyebrows, mm -hmm. and you can get a wince in the cheek. Think about Charlie Chaplin. He always had that kind of wince going on as he went through one setback after another. I'm saying sadness can be helpful because if people are in that space, you have to have enough sensitivity for the moment to slow down yourself. Mm -hmm. Yes, you eventually as a leader absolutely want to get them to pick it up and get going again, but everybody needs some rhythm changes. Yeah. A good song isn't just verse, verse, verse. It has a bridge. It has a chorus. There might be moments where you need a bridge and it might be sadness. And you might want to get to a place where you can feel and project and share their sadness. And one of the things I think you can do just in case they miss the part with the face is the voice. Mm -hmm. You can slow the voice down, the delivery you can change the timbre of your voice so they can pick it up there as well. Because if you huddle in that moment, what I really loved with Jim Furlan when I had the breakfast meetings for the employees, I said, Jim, think about it as like you're around a campfire mm -hmm. and you're huddling and it's the evening and everyone's relaxing now. You lean in, you roast the marshmallow. You don't have to talk in the same voice you use at the podium. That's true. It can be a really different voice and it might work a lot better. So mix it in, give them a different look and feel. I love the term, the golden blend, because that's really, uh, you know, it, I visualize that. This is a really, if you can do both and actually find a way to master that, you could be, I think, more effective in your leadership. And I think, you know, this is really a very great way of putting that. I love the ideas also when you actually talk about the very, um, how you painted the pictures, you know, the things you use to, to describe these emotions. It was very telling and very, you know, very almost like, punctuating what it is you're saying. So I could almost like hear and feel and sense that. And your delivery, I think it's so important because leaders have to be able to use one of the most effective tools they have is their voices, like you just said, and convey depending on the message or the content what they're delivering and find a way to do that very well. And I think you kind of really capture that for us so well. So I thank you for that. And as we kind of wind it down here, you've been working on some things that possibly those who are listening might be interested in because you have wet our appetite. We've just scratched the surface. I know that. But people may want to know what is you're working on that they might want to be a part of and uh, possibly seek out. Um, what would that be? You want to let, let us know? 
Sure. Um, well, I have a website, of course, everybody does, and it's danhill.sensorylogic.com, as in your five senses. Uh, once the uh, probably recession that we're already in lets go, I'm going to be launching a series of EQ, uh, one-day and one-and-a-half-day business retreats. I'll probably do them out of Palm Springs, uh, California, where I have a winter home, so everybody can come enjoy uh, the warmth in the winter months. And that's really my chance to bring in in terms of leadership, in terms of how this applies to hiring and HR issues, uh, frankly, to advertising. I mean, emotions go everywhere. One of my favorite quotes is someone said, there are only two currencies in business, mm. dollars and emotions. Mm. And if you can make the two intersect, they multiply. <laughs> so that's what we're really after here. So I think the website is best. I do also have a pot, uh, podcast. I have a blog series called Faces of the Week, and that's at emotionswizard.com, emotionswizard.com, Faces of the Week. So there's the website and there's the blog, and I would say those are the best two ways. But then, of course, sure, I have books, uh, Famous Faces Decoded, The Two Cheers for Democracy. Uh, back in the day, I wrote a book called Emotionomics. Ah. Really. <laughs> punch home the fact that these two things go together, dollars and emotions. Those two currencies, you actually blended them pretty well right there just now. <laughs> Thank Emotional you. comics. Yes. That's, really, that's really cool. I like Emotional that. Emotional comics, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Dr. Dan, we're going to have the links in the notes that follow the show, so we'll have those there as well as you're listening and you didn't have a chance to write those down. We have the links available in the show notes, so you can go there and get that link on that and make sure you go and check out what the Delta Dan Hill is doing, because as you have heard, you only you and I just received basically the tip of what's there. There's a whole lot more that is to come. We could not cover all of that in this short time we have, but you have had enough to get started. And I hope today you're going to take something that's most useful for you as a listener and really apply and implement right away. So Dr. Dan Hill, I want to say thank you so very much for taking the time to be with us on this show today and to deliver the goods way above and beyond. And I truly appreciate your time and your willingness to come on and give uh, such a master class in this area. So thank you so much. I had a lot of fun, and you have a wonderful smile, by the way. Thank you. You know, you, you mentioned earlier, and I wanted to say this before. Um, my mom, before she passed away, Dr. Dan, she what one she was things she was, she was um, known for is her smile. She almost all the time, no matter what was happening, she had a smile on her face. So I think that I've um, inherited that, and I keep that in her memory. So every time people tell me that, I can say, Mom, thank you. So I appreciate that. Sure. No, it's a great smile. I always notice people's smiles. Thank you. So we thank you so much again, and we'll, we'll be talking very soon. And we here on the Kings of Grand Show want to say a very, very big thank you. By all means, thank you. And there you have it, my friend. I, I hope you got as much as I did. I know you did. Why? Because you're just like me. You're here listening to the show because you and I connect. We have that chemistry. There's something about us that wants to learn and actually implement what we learn in a setting that helps people. That's why you're here. So I know you've gotten from this show as much and even more than I did. So would you please let Dr. Dan Hill know your thoughts? Comment on the post on social media, especially LinkedIn, where I am pretty much camping out a lot. Comment there or wherever else you 
see the show, please comment, share, and let us know. If you have questions, please share that with us. And also, Dr. Dan Hill's link that you will find in the notes that follow the show, would you also connect with him? Find out more about what he's doing as he described, connect, and maybe you could be a part of what he has outlined of what's coming up. So make sure that you do that. So thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this show. I do appreciate that. And my friend, remember, you're one skill away. One skill. One skill. And before we say our goodbye, we've got to put the show back into the vault. So would you help me put the show back into the vault? Here we go. Here we go. There it is. And with that said, my friend, I can now exit the command center of the Immortelligent Leadership Institute and say goodbye. My friend, peace out. God bless. And I'll see you on the flip side. Yeah.